Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How are y'all doing? Welcome to the show. We got a great show planned for you. Join us, sit down, or, uh, you know, crank it up if maybe you're listening on the ride home. Maybe you're taking me with you on a hike or a walk or in the bathtub, playing at home. Who knows? But welcome, welcome, welcome. Got a great show planned. Like I said, DMs open 24-7. You got a question for us? Drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page or go over to wearechannelq.com. Listen to past episodes. You can binge, post, reshare, listen, or re-listen and share, however you want to say that. I'm uh, going to open the show up talking about touch. Ah, yes, the uh, importance of touch. I talk all the time about how co-regulation, the uh, support and care that a secondary person can provide is more profound than self-regulation, what we can kind of access on our own. That doesn't mean we shouldn't try. Sometimes people are not available or they're overwhelmed or the people we go to just aren't there for us. And that's okay. You know, one of the more important parts of mental health. And it's something I think culturally we don't talk enough about is so many different words for it. So I'm not going to get hung up on the term, but it's basically the idea that we tend to get distressed, upset, frustrated, sad, mad, whatever it is. And we very much create a self-centered or self-centering narrative about what's going on. You know, oh, they didn't show up to my birthday party or they didn't pick up my phone call or they took too long to text me back and we center ourselves in the narrative and all sorts of emotions then flow from that. And we kind of get lost and we really drift from the actual truth or reality of the situation. What we need to do is do this magical thing called consider what might be going on for the other person, hold space for this idea that, well, something's going on for them and we don't know what it is. And we need to wait until we can talk to them about it before we decide what happened and let our emotions get all caught up in this self-centering narrative where we make it all about us. Other people's lives are in motion and their priorities are their priorities just like ours are ours. And we can't assume that our priorities are always gonna trump or be more important than someone else's priorities. Often whatever's going on for them is just as reasonable, just as meaningful or just as important and sometimes even more so. I know I've had people get mad at me for things, you know, you didn't show up or you got there late or I didn't hear back from you. And it's like, yeah. And let me tell you why it let me, thank you for holding space to recognize that I also have a life and I also get to have my own priorities. And let me tell you what they were. And we can talk it out and talk it through versus you just deciding that your narrative and your judgment on the situation is reality and is true and is real and is the only one. So what am I saying? I'm saying stop believing your thoughts and assessment on things. We need to start leaving our judgments and opinions and immediate reactions to things 
off to the side for a second and say, I don't know what was going on. And before I decide and then feel from that decision that I'm arbitrarily making up, let me hold space. And when I can connect with that individual, I'll say, hey, I was kind of sad. Notice I'm using a feeling word. I'm not attacking. I'm not criticizing. I'm not deciding on the reality of what happened, who was right, who was wrong. I'm focusing the relationship as being the center point, right? And I, and I go from there. Hey, I was really sad that you didn't show up. Can you tell me what was going on or can we talk about it? And then they'll say, yeah, I was sick, overslept. My child was ill. I had to stay at work late. Like they'll sh- and then you can come up with a shared reality. We don't do that. So all that to say, other people, we have to hold space for them. And sometimes we'll go to them and we'll need them to be there for us in a difficult time. But they have something else that should be more important than us maybe going on. And we can't, they can't be there for us. And that's when we go back to, as I say on the show, all the S's. Social, reach out to another friend. We can ground ourselves until we can process it by tapping into our senses, taste, drink some tea, go have coffee, eat something, smell, maybe light some candles, smell some aromatherapy, I don't know, sound, go play some music to calm you down and soothe you, touch, go do something with your hands, take a bath, hug yourself, go read, I don't know, or spirituality, pray, journal, apply spiritual practice like I do, which is about making room for all that's happening and accepting the reality of what is and leaving my judgments outside, or move your body. Those are the ways we can self-regulate. Co-regulation is the most important thing because it's more uh, impactful and more powerful. Uh, and that's why we're, and that's how we're talking about touch is, you know, think about it with consent, of course, but when you're around someone that you care about and they're sad or they're struggling or they're upset, our first inclination is usually to get closer to touch. We make eye contact. We want to maybe hold their hand or, or we want to like rub their shoulder. It's an instinctual innate move. And there's something really beautiful about it. And the more touched we are in our childhood in appropriate ways, the more we will find touch soothing. And so it will be a true resource and tool. And the more we'll trust and feel safe in being touched and we will develop more receptors to be hungry for and want and be soothed by touch. But if we have inappropriate touch or a lack of touch, we will not find it safe. We will not find it soothing. And we won't try to access that as a resource because it's not available and we won't think to because it was never made available to us. And um, that's when we really get in the weeds. We'll take a break. We'll come back and keep talking about it. And then I want to talk about uh, some of the four main things that get in the way of our relationships and alternative ways of dealing with them. Um, This comes out of some really beautiful research. It's really important stuff. I always keep it in front of mind in my own relationships and also my clinical work. But uh, DMs down the road, drop something in there if you got it for us. We are Channel Q for past episodes. Otherwise, y'all stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris, Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, y'all, we are back and uh, talking about the power of touch. But for us to find touch soothing, we have to have been raised in an environment where it was soothing (laughs) if it wasn't because it was either not available or it was used inappropriately without consent without boundaries uh we are not going to find it comfortable we are not going to find it soothing we will not seek it out we will not provide it we will not desire it uh i learned a lot about that with my cat um a lot of cats don't like touch they find that really not you know not very comfortable but early on me and my cat got to spend a lot of time together And uh, we did a lot of cuddling and a lot of petting and a lot of playing. And she grew into a cat that is much like a dog. Loves cuddling, is always near me, always rubbing up against me, always wanting it when she's distressed. Really beautiful thing. I don't have children. Uh, Don't want children. And so I work with it clinically. I'm around them in alternative ways. But uh, that was my, you know, closest, most proximate example of understanding the power of touch or lack thereof. Of course, I see it all the time in my clinical practice, in the clinical research and family members, friends. More importantly, people I dated where I was raised in a family where touch was very readily accessible. I shared this on the show before where up until my dad's death, I would see my parents hugging, cuddling, kissing. My dad would go up behind my mom, give her a kiss on her cheek. He would hold, they would hold hands when they were driving in the car. Um, I would see him just like cutely grab her butt. I loved it. I loved seeing them bask in the joy of being in love and being romantic. And I later found out they had a very, very good sex life as well. Um, it's another story for another day. It had nothing to do with anything I, you know, witnessed. Um, but point being, so for me, touch was something that was very familiar. It was something that I tried to access because I, I was trained to believe that that was soothing because it was, and they offered it. And I've shared on the show that, you know, when we're children, our parents will offer to us what resources they have and they utilize because that's, what's familiar to them. And that's what they're reactively going to rely upon. And so if we come home from a tough day at school and our parents see that we're sad and they say, hey, you look sad, can we talk about it? And they kind of hug us and say, hey, let me give you a hug or let's sit down and talk. We will, that will be what we internalize as to how we regulate emotion. And we will also find that kind of interpersonal, intimate container very safe and safe and soothing. And we will then take that into our social lives and we will take that to our partners. However, if we're raised in a family where we come home sad and no one notices or no one cares, we are not going to be internalizing the idea that others are uh, there for us or that others are soothing or that we can even take our emotions to others safely. If we are raised in a family where when we come home from a hard day, they tell us to get over it. Again, we will be internalizing that emotions aren't safe or acceptable. If as a child, we come home from a hard day and our parents say, go upstairs and play a video game or here, eat these cookies, we'll be trained to believe again that people aren't where we should go with emotions and that we should find odd, um, 
um, solo based ways of self-regulation, what we call auto regulation, which really is hard on partners down the road when they want to be soothed and they want to soothe us. And we go to auto regulatory things, which are basically meaning very socially avoidant, um, where we step away or lean away. And then you show up in couples therapy and your partner's like, why won't you hug me? Or why can't I hug you when I'm sad? Or when I touch you, you lean away. Or whenever you're sad, you disappear. And it becomes very confusing. So all that to say with our children, we can raise them in ways that is far superior to the ways we were raised, where when a child is sad, don't, you know, don't yell at them, don't shame them, sit down and help them learn to regulate, connect, don't correct, connect, show them that connection is available, is acceptable, is soothing, you can trust other people, people do want to hear about your feelings, always say to them, especially if they're a boy, tell me how you're feeling, oh, you seem sad, are you sad, where do you feel it, uh, you're anxious, I feel anxiety in my belly, where do you feel it, do you want to hug, sometimes hugging makes us feel better, when you're sad or when you're angry, you can talk to me, tell me when you're angry. Those are good interpersonal skills. Now, if as children, we didn't get all that, we then as adults have to start to practice that. It's kind of what we call emotional regulation, secure attachment, all these different buzzwords, but it basically means I'm there for you. You're there for me. Emotions aren't bad. They aren't wrong. I'm not going to tell you to get over it. I'm not going to tell you to, you know, find a silver lining. I'm not going to tell you to stay happy, positive vibes only. I see that on dating apps. People are like positive vibes only. And I'm like, oh my God, no, toxic, delete, delete. That's not the, that's not the game. How about honesty and authenticity only? If you're sad, be sad. If you're angry, be angry. If you're lonely, be lonely. We have to learn how to not shame emotions or need feel the need to get rid of them. We have to learn how to allow them and make room for them. There's no such thing as a negative emotion or a bad emotion. All emotions are just energies and we need to allow them. We need to stop battling them and shaming them and putting them in all these ridiculous categories that make them legitimate, illegitimate. We need to stop gendering them. Girls and boys all experience and people that are non-binary or trans or gender queer and fluid, we all have the same different experiences and emotions. All of them are acceptable. There's no such thing as female emotions and male emotions. There's no such thing as a female experience and a male experience. These are all socialized, socially constructed things. Uh, point being though, we have to be better than what we were raised with, a lot of us, because not everyone had that securely attached family dynamic where people were available and reliable and consistent and responsive. And those are the buzzwords. That's what we wanna to do to our children. <laughs> That's what we wanna to do to our adult partner and our friends, be consistent, be reliable, be available and be responsive. I always say that on the show. That's what you're looking for when you're dating in other people. That's a sign that they're healthy. It's also a sign that they're interested. And if that's not how they're showing up, move on. If that's And I want you to offer that as well. Those are the key words. Because touch, we want that, we want that to be an available resource. Even animals use it. <laughs> I watch my cat use it. When she's distressed, she goes to her clawing post to use movement to dispel all that anxious energy. Movement's always available to us. Or she comes up to me. She cuddles me. She screams in my face until I pet her to soothe her. Even she realizes that I'm available, I'm reliable, I'm responsive, I'm accessible. And she makes use of that because I'm safe to her. We can create that in adulthood. It's called earned attachment. Earn secure attachment. We can work on being better. All right, we got to take a little break. Um, yeah, we'll be able, we'll come back, keep talking about this, and then uh, we'll be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, question, topic, something you want us to circle back, drop deeper into, you know the drill, drop it in there. We'll be back, though, so stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, we're back, and we're talking about just all the difficult things that come with being an adult. Adulting, 
What a drag. <laughs> I saw these funny memes and they were like itemizing it all. They're like, so how are we supposed to work five days a week, do laundry, also exercise, drink eight glasses of water, get five servings of fruit and vegetables. And it went on and on and on about brush our teeth, also floss, take a shower. I was like, oh my gosh, when you really look at the basic foundational expectations on being a human adult in our culture, who has the time to like breathe? And then we're like, and you need to meditate and blah, blah. <laughs> and I'm over here cooking, cooking from scratch because I'm plant-based and low sodium and literally everything that's produced at any supermarket or any restaurant is high sodium, dangerously high sodium. I told you this on the show a long time ago, but I found out because of heart disease in my family, my dad's death, my dangerously high blood pressure and some other heart health issues that I have that I had to really seriously get my um, sodium levels in check. I found out and when I started adding it all up after I had a health scare, uh, well, it wasn't a health scare, it was a health bomb that exploded, uh, that I was eating three times the recommended amount of sodium. Most of us are. And I found out in looking at my meals at restaurants and supermarkets that I was buying, prepared or even frozen, and I shop at Whole Foods and buy these organic plant-based things, even so, some of the meals had an entire day's worth in that one meal. And then I would eat more meals because I eat more than one meal a day like most of us. So, and if you're living in a food desert, a place that doesn't have access to fruits and vegetables and all that, it's, it's even more severe. So first off, check your sodium levels. You're gonna pretty much have to be eating at home because everything is so loaded up with salt and it's hidden in so many things. When I found out how much sodium was in just almond milk, I had to stop using that in my coffees and my smoothies because it was pushing me over, over. And then you look at how much is in ketchup and condiments. It's, it could be an entire meal's worth just in the condiment or sauce. Tomato sauce, your whole meal's worth and then some. A can of soup, the entire day's worth sometimes in one can. That's why, we are, that's why heart disease is the number one killer in the world, in the world, because of all the sodium. So that's my little tidbit. Do what you want with it. Um, so anyway, adulting, when on top of that, I'm like, I got to start cooking my own meals because I can't eat anywhere. Um, it is really hard to find low sodium food in a supermarket and good luck at a restaurant because restaurants, their food is about taste and that's salt. Uh, and, you know, anyway, uh, <laughs> who has the time? And then on top of that, we have to work on providing ourselves the training and learning that we didn't get from our parents, but I'm not blaming parents because they're doing the best they can based on how they were raised and their parents are doing the best uh, based on how they were raised. So the people listening to my show and the people in my clinical practice, we have to stop what we call the intergenerational transmission of trauma, meaning it stops here. We are not going to keep pushing it forward so that the, our children and our children's children and our children's children have to keep dealing with this. We're gonna stop, we're being better, I love that. That's why I'm all about everyone being hashtag mental health, mental health first, seeing the Olympiads drop out because they're like, my mental health is on the line. People taking you know, medical leaves from their job because it's too stressful. No job should be what causes you stress. That's just where you make your money. No job should be what puts you in the hospital, no Olympic sports should be what kills you or puts you in the hospital. It's just a game and a sport. It's supposed to be fun. Like all of these systems that aren't supposed to be what take us down, take us down. So we're stopping it now. We're focusing on our mental health, but tonight we're just focusing more on trying to 
be more available to the emotions of those around us and offer soothing containers and safe spaces often rooted in something like touch like come here let me hug you come here lay with me come here let's hold hands come here let me put my arm around you come here let me rub your back finding soothing in that especially if we weren't raised around that letting our little brains neuroplasticity start to grow and shape around that and welcome that and value that and be soothed by that there's a neurological learning process in that um, we talked on the show about just installing positive experiences by savoring them and sitting with them, sitting with them longer. Because uh, fortunately for our you know uh, system, which is built on protection, it registers negative events in split seconds, and then widespreads that association. But positive experiences aren't logged as quickly, and in fact, sometimes not at all, unless we give it directed, sustained attention for like seconds. Like you have to sit with it and hold it and savor it to really install those positive experiences. And if we put our awareness on it, we will. And that's why I'm saying put your awareness on what you do when you're struggling with emotions and what and, and on what you do in response to those around you when they're struggling with their emotions. We have to get better culturally around all of that. We have to make space for it. We're not shaming emotions. None of them are bad. None of them are wrong. None of them are negative. Feel them all. Feel them deeply. Feel them fully. We are sitting with them. We are digesting them, letting our wise mind come online. We are not being mood dependent in terms of our behavioral choices. We are being guided more from rationality. And we can only get into our rationality once we've sat and allowed the emotion and let it, you know, the wave kind of come and go, let it kind of digest a little bit. Um, all right. Coming up next, we're going to do some DMs, y'all. You know the drill. So if you got a question for us, bam, drop on our DMs. Want to check out past episodes? Go over to wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Love Line. Click on it. You can binge, post, reshare reshare, binge post, re-listen, or share. You can also reshare, you know, flood people with links. It's good stuff. That's how they know it's important. Stick around though. More to come. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, y'all, we are back. And before we get into the uh, DM, just want to share a little tidbit, you know, segments of DMs dropping just a few little quick gems. Um, Self-care, just a few things to remind you of what it can look like. It can look like slowly starting your day as opposed to hitting the ground running. It's a form of self-care saying, I'm not going to rush. I'm going to move slowly. I'm going to take my time today. Or I'm going to step outside of my usual structure and routine. You know, I'm going to be a little kinder. It can also be reading. I know bibliotherapy talk a lot about it. Reading some self-help stuff could be a form of self-care saying, hey, I'm going to work on myself. I'm just going to take one little, one little soundbite, one little tidbit, one little mantra, and I'm going to work all week on really applying and working with it. That's what the practice is. Knowing what you're working on, always say just for the week, I'm going to work on this one thing, whatever it is, and just tracking it. You know, you can journal about it, but just track it, really apply it. Um, maybe also taking something off your calendar. Uh, or saying no to something, saying, you know what, this weekend or this week, I'm actually going to keep the day open, or I'm going to take that thing off my schedule. I'm going to let them know I can't attend. And instead, I'm going to take that day to do some self-care. Maybe nothing. Maybe just sit on the couch eating Ben and Jerry's. High five. That's awesome. Maybe you're going to go for a hike. I don't know what you're going to do. Maybe you're going to read, but you're going to take some things off your schedule. You're not going to burn yourself out. Um, I love this one. Maybe you're going to leave uh, emails unread, voicemails unlistened to, or text unresponded to. That's self-care. Just because it came in, just because they can reach you, doesn't mean you have to listen to it right now or even today. You're allowed to take at least, at least 24 hours to get back to people. I always give myself at least 24 hours to get back to all texts. I don't care who it's coming in from. If I need to give it a day, I need to give it a day because my mental health means more. I, I offer that to you. Um, sleeping in. Maybe you're not going to get up and rush. You're going to say, I'm going to sleep in a little bit. I love that one. 
give yourself another 30, another hour. Maybe you're actually going to not use a, an alarm clock. Um, is there anything else I want to throw in there? Yeah, doing nothing. I think that's a really beautiful one. All right, y'all, time for the DM. Sliding into the DMs. This DM, DMs always come from our Loveline IG page. So if you got a question for us, topic you want us to cover, something you want us to circle back to, put it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris. Uh, my name is Justine, and my older brother, Xavier, just came out to my family. He's my best friend, and I'm so proud of him. Oh, that's really sweet. But my family has mixed feelings. I want to defend him. Is that my place? 100% it's your place. It's our place to stand up to any injustice, even if it's with someone we don't know. 100%. Always. Yes, you're responsible for your neighbor. Yes, we're responsible for helping people in Ukraine. Why? Because they're humans and we're humans. And all these arbitrary dividing lines of different continent, different country, different state, different neighborhood, different family, different gender, different bedroom, you know, like whatever it is, those are all arbitrary. People need our help. People that are uh, ostracized and marginalized communities need the help of people in positions of power or privilege. You're a sister. You're, I'm assuming you're straight. Your parents will listen to you. You might be able to be a powerful force in changing that system. Tell your mom and dad, that is your child. Step it up and you accept them. And if you can't, you keep your mouth shut. You tell them about any obnoxious, rude things you need to say until you've done the work. Give your parents resources. Let them know how it is you come to accept him. Yeah, he absolutely needs your care and needs your support. 100%. Always step in and step up. Make some good troubles, we say. Don't leave him alone in this. Whether or not you guys are close, but especially because you're close, that would mean a lot to him. But if you're wondering how he'll feel, you could at least ask him, say, hey, I know that mom and dad aren't handling this really well. Can I you know, be an ally and, and help you? Otherwise, you're not an ally and, you're, and you're, you're kind of part of the problem. Silence is complicity. Silence is violence. Silence is standing on the side of the oppressor because you're doing nothing. And your silence allows it to persist and maintain and, and maybe even strengthen. So when people are like, I'm not getting involved, it's like, congratulations on your privilege. Clearly, you're in a safer position. And clearly, you don't really care about this issue. And so that's why you got to call things out. So please do something. He needs your help. Um, remember, homophobia is created by and maintained by straight people. It's a straight people's problem. They started it. They need to end it. You're straight. Handle it. You're a part of that system. You know, tell your parents that. It shouldn't be on gay people, a marginalized, exploited community, to try to demand and ask for acceptance and care. It should be on the shoulders of straight people who started homophobia and continue to maintain homophobia and who benefit from homophobia. So if you want to actually see yourself as a friend and ally and someone who cares about them, step up and, and do something, 100%. Um, I challenge everyone who's listening to to follow that advice as well with whatever oppressed, marginalized community comes your way. You know, we all have to be a part of the solution. Otherwise, we are a part of the problem. Uh, yeah. Okay. More of that. All right, y'all. If you got a question for us, drop in the DMs. Past episodes of the show over at wearechannelq.com. We'll be back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. All right, y'all, we are back. Uh, been saving this for a while to talk about. I think it's kind of awesome. Um, excuse me, human moment there, talking a lot. Starts to build up little uh, burp bubbles in your throat. I know, y'all wanted to hear about that, huh? It's so funny people's reactions to burping. I'll do it sometimes at the gym because you're doing really interesting motions, especially if you're doing crunches and ab stuff where like air is just like forced out of your mouth. 
And um, I'm not like burping so loud that it's like ricocheting and echoing around the gym. Although I'm not going to say I haven't been known to have that happen. But people look at you with such disgust and it's like, okay, first off, you can't smell that. Calm down. It's just a sound. And I had to hear you grunting and sweating nastily all over the machine. Like, calm down. Sorry. Um, I don't know why I went off on that tangent. The gym is some really interesting stuff. I'm just going to put it out there like that. Like you really see a lot of fascinating stuff, but we'll do a whole, we'll do a whole nother show on that. So basically there's some really great research. This comes out of the research of Gottman and, you know, love it or hate it. There's some really powerful, meaningful stuff in this. And what I think is really profound and pretty much holds true for most couples is that uh, there's a lot of things you can do that are toxic and bad in a relationship. And, and we talk a lot about it. And we always will. At least once a week, I'll do an entire show on just relational myths, relational health, because it's something we need to be reminded of. There's always new things, whatever. But um, it's called the four horsemen. And what you need, really need to remember is that a longitudinal study where couples have been tracked over long periods of time, the same couples, which is really more important than what they call like a cross-sectional study where they just kind of drop in, do a study, get some research. And it's like, well, that's cool, but that's a moment in time. That could have been a bad day, you know? Longitudinal studies are when we repeatedly follow up and track with the same people or the same couples. And that's how we get a better, you know, better understanding, better baseline. So there's four things that uh, if a couple was utilizing these four things, if a couple was engaging in these four things as, as the ways that they kind of related to each other and, and, and dealt with conflict, there was about an 80, I think, I can't remember the exact number, but it was like an 80% or higher percent chance that they were going to divorce. So basically 80% plus would divorce if this is what's going on in their marriage. And, and rightly should, if this is how people are running their marriages, I'm going to explain what the four things are. They should be divorced. Like this is toxic. We don't stay in anything that's toxic. I don't care if it's a job, a relationship, um, a family dynamic, um, a hobby, uh, something you signed up for. We leave things when they're not right for us. We leave movies if we think they stink. We leave, we turn off TV shows. We don't do, do what they call a sunk cost fallacy, which is the idea that like, well, they've already put an hour into this movie. I might as well give it another hour. No, boo-boo, take that hour and do something better. Your mental health for that hour means more than whatever than whatever you think you're gonna get out of it because you're already put an hour into it. Bounce, bounce. Quit things because they're not fun. That's what I'm saying. There's no valor in just sticking it out to stick it out. Stick it out because something's right for you because you enjoy it and it's good for your mental health. But if something is not fun and it's not good for your mental health, whether it's a hobby, a sport, school, a marriage, a job, bounce. Your happiness and your mental health mean more than whatever process you're a part of. And it's okay to quit things because they're not fun and they're not right for you. I will always say that. I do not agree that you just stick it out anyway. That's that's a virtue for another set of a kind of people. We don't do that when we're mental health centered. So the four things that we look for, and I look for these in couples, is contempt, criticism, defensiveness, and stonewalling. Now, I know a lot of you are like, oh, criticism, defensiveness. You're like, yeah, you're like, I feel called out. Well, you are. You're being called out. But I love that because... As I always say on the show, we want to look at ourselves first. Do I do this? Is Dr. Chris talking about me? Before I look at or worry about my partner, I want to think about myself first because all my listeners know that they can be a powerful source of change. That if you go home into whatever system you're part of, social system, family system, work system, romantic system, marital system, if you are better and you change and you elevate your level of functioning, inherently the whole system elevates because they're now reacting to and dealing with a healthier person. Inherently, everyone's behavior will shift and change. You're no longer defensive. You're no longer critical. You're no longer mean. You're no longer nasty. You're no longer always irritable and angry. Well, oh my God, that softens everything for everyone, right? See how that works? You can change the system by changing yourself. Okay. Criticism is the first one. And then I'm going to talk to you about what we do instead. 
because that's always what's left out is it's like well don't do these things and you're like oh okay that's cool but like so then what do i do so here so we will follow up on that in a minute criticism is um we know what criticism is <laughs> i don't think we really need to explain criticism i'm not going to read a definition of it are you a critical person stop if you are and what do you do instead well, in, in response to dealing with conflict, because that's the lens that we're going to use these um, terms, look at these terms through, you want to use soft startups. Beautiful thing. How you start a conversation has a really powerful impact on how the conversation will go. If you start it off really critical and really nasty, well, we're already coming in at a 10, so we can only go up then to like a 12 or a 15, and that's off the scale. If we come in soft at like a two or a three, then if we elevate it all, we're only at a three or four and we want to try to keep it calm. So if we start off safe, soft, we have, a, we have a chance of staying soft and that's the goal. We're not trying to burn through conversations when we're talking to someone we care about if it's a conflict. So we start soft. And, and I always say this to parents dealing with a child or to an adult dealing with another adult, connect before you correct. Connect before you complain. Connect before you get critical. Come in soft. Before you even approach the topic, you should start soft like, hey, how are you? Like, how's your day going? Awesome. Can we talk about something difficult to talk about? All right, we gotta take a break, y'all. When we come back, we're gonna break the rest of this down. So stick around, don't go anywhere. I'm gonna save your relationships. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Oh, Rachel, we are back and um, we were talking about these four behavioral traits and we're looking at them through the lens of how they come up in fights and conflict, but this applies outside of fights and conflict. You can apply this to any interpersonal, you know, inner interaction. Uh, and the first one we're saying is criticism. If a relationship has a high level of criticism, it has an 80% plus chance that it's going to end in divorce and it should. Don't be critical. doesn't feel good. We're talking about how what you do instead is instead of coming in hot with the criticism, you connect first or you come in soft. So connecting would look like, hey, you know, your, your partner comes home from work. You're not like, I, we need to talk, which is coming in critical and hot. It's like, all right, we're already at a 10. We don't, we have nowhere to go but up. You come in soft and you say, like, hey, how was your day? You chill the, the, you chill the heck out. That's what I'm saying first. Calm down. And then you say, how's your day? And they're like, oh, and you're like, okay, cool. Can we have a, can we talk about something? And you do a soft startup. So I noticed that we talked a lot about the fact that you'd start taking the trash out and that hasn't happened. Can we talk about how we can help make that happen? I don't care how many times you talked about it. You come in soft because you respect your relationship. And if you don't care about the relationship and you just want to vomit out whatever you need to get out and you're all about criticism, then you're not safe enough to be in a relationship with people. You're just not. Wrap police tape around you, put some tape over your mouth and exit quietly, please. Because no one should have to deal with that. And we're trying to make relationships safer and better. And so instead of criticism, we use soft startups. I know we have to practice because some people raised in families where everything was a criticism and they are not familiar with connecting first. Always connect before you criticize always connect before you correct your child connect first and we actually don't even need to use criticism come in soft and stay soft if this is someone who's your best friend or your child or your brother or your partner or your husband or wife or whoever you you value the relationship you have with them you don't want to use the conversations or conflicts as a way to end it or or blow it up come in soft and come in with respect it's 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 huge it's huge just just that one thing can be an entire game changer for your entire relational system, for your mental health and their mental health. Because we have to do the work of cranking everything down. A lot of the things that people are coming in hot about, very critical, 
don't really matter. Like the trash getting taken out. It honestly isn't that deep. In fact, I'll say to some people, if you want it taken out right away that badly, just do it yourself. Problem solved. It's not that big deal. Let your partner take on the burden of other things that they are attentive to and are meaningful for them. I, like I said, in my relationship, I did the laundry, I cleaned, I did the dishes. I didn't want to pick a fight about it. I didn't care. It wasn't that deep. I just did it because I liked it done a certain way. And I liked the dish, dishwasher loaded a certain way. And I liked the laundry done a certain way. So I just did it. Peace. You know, we had a lot of peace that way. And my partner did the things that they were better at that I didn't like to do, you know? All right. So there's four of these that we're trying to avoid. Criticism is the first one. Stop being critical. We're not looking at what our partner is doing yet. We're looking at ourselves. Are we critical? And if we are, we're, we're connecting before we even step into these conversations and we're, we're doing a soft startup. Another way I say it sometimes is just make a request instead of a criticism. Instead of saying, why don't you, or you always, or you never, just make a request. Hey, it would mean a lot to me. Or hey, could you start blah, blah, blah. It's that easy. Because we're, st we're worrying about our own mental health first. I don't want my blood pressure through the roof over laundry or the garbage getting taken out. And I don't want that for you either. Okay. The next one is contempt. It's a real nasty one. And if your relationship has this, it kind of is already dead. You already don't, you don't really have a relationship if there's contempt. So the definition of contempt is attacking someone's sense of self with the intent, the goal of insulting them. You're coming in as morally superior. It's basically emotional and verbal abuse. You basically hate them. You're resentful, you're seething, you hate them. It's this thread that's woven throughout your relationships. If you're in that place, man, you have a lot of healing to do. You should probably just leave the relationship because you're not good for them and they're probably not good for you in response. What we wanna do instead of having contempt for our partners is work on building appreciation and gratitude. What? I know. We are so good at calling out what we hate about our partners or what frustrates them, frustrates us about them. If I said to most of you, what annoys you about your partner? You could ramble off a list. But if I said, what do you value and appreciate about them? It's a lot harder for some people. Really think about that for a second. How quick and how long is the list of things that you're frustrated with? I bet it's more top of mind. But then if I said, what are you grateful for? What do you value about them? For some people, the list is shorter or it's, it takes more time, if at all, to even be able to come up with it. That's not good. Why are you even in relationships? Why are any of us doing it? We don't do it to make our lives harder or to make their lives harder. We don't have to be in them. That's why it hurts my heart when people are in them but don't want to be in them and talk poorly of their partner. That actually says a lot about you because you're in that and you're staying in that and you choose to stay with them and you maintain that and you're part of upholding that system. Why? What are you doing? What is your goal? What is your virtue? What is your purpose? Let's be better. So building appreciation is reminding yourself of your partner's positive qualities and finding gratitude. Just like you're really great at nitpicking and calling out what they're not doing, get really good at nitpicking and calling out what they are doing right. Honey, thank you for blah, blah, blah. Honey, I was thinking today about how thankful and glad I am that you blah, blah, blah. Start calling out compliments. Start getting sensitive to picking up on gratitude-based things and appreciation and express it. Five, I think it's like five to one. If you're gonna do one criticism, you need five compliments for every one criticism. Yeah, that's right. And if you don't wanna have to step into that, let the criticisms go. But you need at least five forms of gratitude or appreciation for every one compliment to stay out of contempt. Yeah, shocking. But I want people to be in relationships that are full of love, care, and support, not ones that are just full of contempt, criticism, and ridicule. 
We don't need to be in relationships. We choose to be in them and they should be good for us. And we shouldn't be letting ourselves off the hook by being one of those people, you know? So there's two more. And when we come back, we're going to talk about those, but I want everyone to use the break to, to jam to the music, jam to the jams, but also to sit and process some of these topics because it's about practice. It's not about just listening and then going back to your life. It's about bringing it into your life and applying it. The quality of your practice with all the things I bring up on the show and in my books, Rebel Love and Sex Outside the Lines, the quality of practice is the quality of your life. So if you don't like the quality of your life and relationship, you gotta practice better. Increase the you know, increase your practice, you increase the quality. They are um, positively correlated, you know, aligned. All right, we're gonna be back and coming up next, we're gonna keep talking about these, so stick around. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey, we'll be back. All right, y'all, we are back and we're looking at these four traits that if they are present or utilized excessively in a relationship, it's going to end to a breakup or a divorce uh, stat show. It's about 80% or more and uh, it should be that way. So we're calling these out so as to look at them in ourselves, get rid of them. We're talking about what to do instead and then we can lovingly take this to our partner and say, hey, listen to what I learned about. I think these are things that we both do. Let me share with you, babe, how I'm working on doing it differently. So instead of doing these four things, here's what I'm going to do instead. I wonder if this is something that's meaningful to you as well. That's how that goes. <laughs> all right. So the first one we talk about is criticism. We all know what that is. Stop doing it. Instead, connect first. Do a soft startup and then lovingly, calmly share what it is you need to share. Your partner's on your side. And if you're not, you need you got some work to do, y'all. You need some couples therapy or something. But otherwise, we're on the same team. Second one is contempt, which means basically I hate them. <laughs> I, I'm angry and I don't like my partner and I hate them. I don't mean that in a moment. I mean that generally. You got work to do if that's what's going on. You're not going to be good for them. And mo most likely they might not be good for you. But either way, that's a toxic system. Instead, we have to work on building what they call a culture of appreciation. That's right. Work on calling out and identifying literally to them things that you are have gratitude for. Compliment them more. Tell them what you have gratitude for. Five to one. For every criticism, you better have five things that you can share and call out that are positive. That's how we feel healthy and better in our relationship. Next one is defensiveness. That's a nasty, nasty trait. Um, Defensiveness is basically uh, never being, again, we're splitting hairs, but defensiveness is just always defending, protecting, never being soft or open to being challenged or to learning about yourself or to hearing critique or to hearing requests that your partner might make about, you know, what they need to be differently within the relationship. And it's never you, you're never wrong. You know, we have to be open to our partner saying, Hey, listen, there's some things we need to change in our relationship, or here's what it's like to be in this relationship with you. We have to be open to hearing some of that. We have to be open to conflict. We have to be open to some healthy forms of criticism. Um, it can't be, well, that's just how it is. Or you knew that, that I was like that. No. Children do that. As adults, we're always open to hearing how we can grow, how we can change, and how we need to be better. And if you're not open to that, then you're not safe enough or mature enough to be in a relationship, truly. That's defensiveness. Instead, we wanna be, what I just said, willing to hear and take responsibility and accountability, listening to your partner's perspective, being willing to say, you're right, I did that, I'm sorry. So it's about acknowledging wrongdoing. It's about apologizing. It's about working on yourself. It's about being open to be told what you need to work on. It's about being open to hearing your partner's perspective on anything, including what you're like as a partner and what they need to be different in the relationship. Period, end of story. You have to be open to that. And if not, get out. You should not be in a relationship with someone. It's inherently a problem thing. Also, that moves into the fourth thing, stonewalling. 
you might be a stonewaller. Stonewallers basically are people where they are not open to conflict. They are not open to difficult conversation. They will shut it down. They will distance. They'll say, not right now. I'm busy or I can't hear this right now or I'm tired or another time. And that time never comes. We can't do that because then change can't come. Insight can't come. Growth can't come. Instead, you have to soothe yourself and be willing to be present to all the difficult, uncomfortable feelings that come with having those powerful but necessary discussions. Everyone has to, whether it's a relationship that's with a family member, a you know, coworker, a friend, a, a romance partner, a sex partner, a marital partner, you have to be open to getting feedback. I say this on the show all the time. Every couple of months, I want couples to sit down and say, how is it going? How can I be different? What does our relationship need from each of us? How is this going? What do we need to change so this is healthy for both of us? Should we even keep doing this? Every couple months, we should check in lovingly, safely, appropriately. There's no such thing in adult relationships as that's just how it is, or that's just how I am, or you knew that I was like that when you met me. That's a defensive stonewalling maneuver, and it's toxic, and it's immature, and that is not a safe relationship to be a part of. You need to say, thank you for sharing that with me. That was hard to hear. Can we talk more about it? Like, tell me more about that. You are open to understanding your partner's experience because when you're in a relationship, a committed, serious relationship, your partner is in your care. Their mental health is impacted by you and your mental health. They're in your care. And you should want to make their life better because you are brought into it and a part of it. You should want to be nothing but a positive impact on their life. Otherwise, again, you are toxic and not meant to be in a relationship with someone. Go do some healing. Or if you're in a marriage or a relationship that you can't exit, get into some individual therapy. Do some self-reflection. Let your partner share with you where the work is. Relationships are a mirror being held up, showing us where our work is. Whatever we're upset about or triggered about shows us where our wounds are and where our work is. It's a beautiful thing if we can soften and if our partner can do it in a soft way, but we can lead that charge by not leaning with criticism, by not stonewalling, by not being defensive and not living from contempt, right? We're working on soft startups, correcting before we critique, we're, walk, we're, we're working on vocalizing and, and, and centering appreciation and gratitude. And we soothe and we're open to hearing feedback and self-reflection. It's mandatory. We're going to talk a lot more about it. Coming up next, though, we're going to be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, a question you want to answer to, a topic you want us to cover, something you want us to circle back to, drop in the DMs on our Love Energy page. And uh, past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Stick around. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris. Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 
15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medela. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more rings, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, Shaw, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris. I am a 40-year-old mom with three kids all under the age of 10. Ooh, I mean, three kids, I'd say God bless, but under the age of 10? I mean, you know, handful at all ages, right? Just different. It's just different. My husband and I are in an open relationship. Well, props to y'all. Uh, we have been for years, and it works for us, of course. It works for a lot of people. I laugh when people say, that doesn't work. Uh, yeah, it works for a lot of people. It's not for everyone, though. Uh, however, my kids are starting to ask questions. When one of us doesn't come home, starting to notice, I'm running out of excuses. <laughs> oh, baby, I love this. You know, it's like when the kids are young, we can get away with all sorts of stuff that is, you know, difficult to talk about or complicated or they're not ready for. And then uh, they, they start to ask questions like, who's that? What's going on? Where are they? There's so many great books written about this. I'll say that. So I don't have any to recommend. Um, but a lot of my colleagues have written a lot of books about coming out as poly. Uh, Tamara Pincus wrote an awesome one. She's an amazing therapist. Look up her book. Um, um, her book is called, here's the title. It's called Polyamory, Coming Out About Your, your, coming out about your Non-Monogamous Relationships. So again, uh, Tamara Pincus, it's called Polyamory. That's the actual title. Uh, coming out about your non-monogamous relationships. Start there. Awesome book. Awesome person. Walk you through that. A lot of other great research. Um, yeah. You know, here's the thing. Right now, monogamy is so centered. It's so validated that we don't need to explain that to children. But like polyamory and open styles, it's unknown. We're afraid of the stigma. Kids have a lot of questions. But 
it is okay and it is and it is normal for a lot of people and there's nothing wrong with it and so i don't want anyone to feel like it has to be kid gloved and it does in that it is foreign and then your child might not understand they might not see it on television people at school might not get it teachers might stigmatize it so i appreciate that it it is different still but it needs to be normalized because there's more of it to to come and it does exist and whether you like it or not it exists and we need to know how to encounter it and talk about it and so i want you to try to shake off some of the shame, even though I know it's going to be there. And I would say a couple things, join some of those awesome Facebook groups around poly families, read that book. Um, you need resources, you need community and you need support. You know, you're not the first person that's been through this. A lot of people have, and you know, you're really leading the charge and your children will be able to kind of go out in the world and start to normalize that. You know, I want all relational styles to be seen as legitimate. They're just different. Monogamy is not always the right thing. Monogamy is sometimes very toxic and the wrong thing for some couples. And yet we ask no questions about it and we assume it's always a good thing and it's always right for everyone. And that's not true. And we assume that poly or open is weird or strange or something's wrong. And it's like, that's not true. And we need to just normalize talking about all of them. No one should have to blink an eye at any of the above, but we still do. So I appreciate why there's some sensitivity to it. Totally get it. But I want it to be normalized. So you need community. You need people to talk to. So join a Facebook group, maybe talk to some of your poly circle, um, get that book. And it's all about age appropriate. You know, you're not disclosing anything harmful or bad. And you can talk to your child about boundaries and privacy and how, you know, certain things that go on at home or with family members are just for the family to talk about. Privacy and boundaries are a real thing. Um, but, you know, be confident in discussing it. The way you deliver it will also be part of how your child hears it. So be confident, but practice so it comes out confident. And uh, do some research so that, you know, maybe you have some sound bites. And it's something you have to do over and over. We don't come out once about these kinds of things. It's something we have to repeatedly circle back to and bring up. So once you come out, you have to stay out. It's kind of like I tell people when they come out as gay. Don't come out as gay and then never talk about it again. You have to actually keep talking about it. Introduce them to someone you're dating or, you know, TV shows and the word gay and really normalize it and familiarize so that it just becomes something that's comfortable. I hate that this is even something that's hard, you know, but that's why um, we're doing what we're doing. So, yeah, it's a good question, though. We'll talk more about it down the road. We'll do a whole a whole show on it. It's been a while since I've talked about it, you know, opening up what it is, how you do it who it's for. It's not for everyone, but neither is monogamy. Like I said, neither is marriage. Marriage is not the right thing for everyone. All right, y'all, that is our show. If you got a DM for us, question, topic you want us to hit, something you want us to circle back to, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. We love hearing from you. And if you want to check out past episodes of the show, you can go over to wearechannelq.com, scroll down, look for Loveline, and look for Loveline. You can click on it. Then you can binge, post, share, re-listen, all sorts of good stuff. Um, sometimes you hear something that might be good for someone else to hear, so you can send them a little link, you know, post on your social media. Lots of love, y'all. Be kind to yourselves. Be kind to those around you. As always, thanks for hanging out. See you tomorrow night and you enjoy the rest of your night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 